21CL Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Education Vanguard. I'm your host, Michael Bull. Today, we're going to be talking all about positive education. The idea of positive education appears to sound simple for me. You know, I see myself saying nice things to my students and colleagues in the hallway and trying to have an optimistic outlook. After talking with Justin Robinson from the Geelong Grammar School in Australia, I realized there is actually a lot more to it. Following the idea that embracing positive education asks us to learn, live, teach, and embed it into our daily and organizational practices, I learned it is a significant realignment of how most educators, including myself, of course, embrace our practice. The Institute of Positive Education at Geelong Grammar School not only fully adopted positive education, they took it to the next level, where they are now actively training other schools and educators to adopt the program on their own. Enjoy the conversation. Justin Robinson, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Thank you, Michael. Lovely to speak with you. Today we're going to talk about the exciting things you guys are doing at the Institute of Positive Education. And some people may not be familiar with what that is. Can you give us an explanation of what it's all about? Yeah, thanks, Michael. Uh, So Geelong Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia, has been implementing positive education for the past 10 years. And that's an ongoing journey and an ongoing commitment for our school. And after doing that for about five years, uh, the school took the decision to introduce an institute of positive education that has a dual purpose to continue the ongoing growth of positive education at our own school, but then very much an outward focus to support the growth of the field of positive education and to support other schools in their journey with positive education. So how did your school come to decide that positive education was something to focus on? And we can talk about the exciting fact that you're now spreading that out beyond your school, but how in the first place did you decide, hey, this is something we want to do? So it's a a fascinating story, and I'll just tell a brief version of it. The school was committed at its school's 150th celebrations to building a new gymnasium. And also as a large boarding school, we needed new uh, medical facilities, a a new kind of hospital area. And our chief medical officer at the time said, why don't we actually call that a wellbeing centre and bring both the physical health and the mental health and our school counsellors and and really upgrade both of those um, facilities And so the school had a big launch on that we're going to build a a, a lovely wellbeing centre. And actually at that event, a parent came up to us and said, well, it's lovely this building, but what philosophy is going to underpin that building? Have you ever heard of positive psychology? Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard Uh. of Martin Seligman? And every person in our school said no to both of those things. It so happened that this parent was a colleague and a friend of Martin Seligman and Martin Seligman was visiting and having lunch with him in Geelong in a few weeks' time. And so he invited our principal and vice principal and they had lunch and then the whole story started uh, with members of our school going over to America to investigate what positive psychology was, the science of it. Could this make sense to support this paradigm shift in education? We were aiming at this stage really just to be proactive with our health through the wellbeing centre. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually then we committed to 
uh, Martin Seligman and his wife and a couple of his children then living with us at Geelong Grammar School in 2008 and wow. for six months. And that so Geelong Grammar School was the first school in the world to pioneer a whole school approach to positive psychology. So Martin Seligman and a team of 20 from the University of Pennsylvania came out and trained wow. our staff for nine days in the middle of January. Staff volunteered to give up their holidays, those who wanted to attend, and that was the start of our journey. As we wow. then shared this story with others, and it was always to be more than just for Geelong Grammar School, we would hold visitor days and people would come along and learn a bit about positive psychology and positive education. And the term positive education was coined at Geelong Grammar School during the time Martin Seligman was here. And our school felt that still positive psychology still had too many negative connotations in the name mm -hmm. and said, well, I don't know if that's quite going to work for us. Maybe what about, and a bit of a brain, what about just positive education? Uh, and so that then became the start of our journey of, of positive education at Geelong Grammar School. When I hear the term positive education, so I, I maybe people, could you give us an explanation of like what that actually looks like? I would guess it's more than people just high-fiving each other in the hall saying, good yeah. job, student. Yes. So interestingly, we've just been writing a blog that we just published a week or so ago uh, on what positive education is in our terms of what we believe it is and what it is not. Uh, and certainly, whilst we don't like describing things by what they are not, uh, it, sometimes it's the easiest way to clear up some misconceptions. And one of, the, sure, yeah. one of the examples is positive education is not about smiling all the time and, and not about being happy all the time and not about avoiding negative emotions and not about giving every child an A plus uh, and not about ensuring every child is free from adversity. So it's certainly not any of those things. And, uh, you know, I think... I think some people go there very quickly. Oh, you know, and people said, does, does people smile all the time at Geelong Grammar School because you're a positive school or can no one get in trouble? And, and, and that's not what it's about. But the name is as problematic as it is helpful. Uh, and certainly some people get their back up as if they're implying that if you're doing positive education, they must have been doing negative education and they were mm -hmm. doing it wrong and we're doing it right. And, and that's also not what we're interpreting. In some ways, I'll give you our definition for it in just a second, Michael, but in, in some mm -hmm. ways, James Powelski wrote a nice article about positive in the term positive psychology and was linking it to an early derivation of the term positive in the Latin. Um, and that was linked to kind of being about a, a foundation, building on a strong foundation. So the positive psychology is kind of starting from the approach of what's working and asking questions about what's going well and learning and building from there. So in some ways, the positive is a strengths-based approach or a what's working approach. That doesn't mean that there's still times when, of course, you must fix what's not working. And of course, there will be times when we, you know, me personally, I've got so many things that are wrong with me or things that I would certainly like to grow or things that I need to work on. Uh, so knowing one's strengths and working on what's going well does not mean that we avoid the other side of things uh, in any way, shape or form. Uh, from a 
teacher and I'm interested in positive education, and I, I, my question might be, so what's it look like in the classroom? What sort of mm -hmm. expectations would I have to uh, deliver that sort of curriculum? Yes. So the part that we feel we've really contributed to the field uh, which we've written several journal articles about and so on, is the processes of learn, live, teach and embed. And they're repeated phrases. And so the way to actually implement positive education into a school and to take really not just the science of positive psychology, but the science of well-being, which is now growing and includes neurosciences and cognitive sciences, social sciences and more. Um, we believe these key processes are crucial to successful change. So the learn piece means that all the adults in the school community, from parents, certainly all the staff, teaching staff, operational staff, all undergo introductory training and then ongoing training around the science of well-being. So they okay. get to explore in depth gratitude, resilience, relationships, meaning and purpose and more. And so there's got to be a learning piece. So firstly, for the teacher at a school, they would see that some of their professional development days and some of the language would be and they would be exposed to skills and knowledge about well-being for their own personal well-being and for them to be the best in their job, because the best way to help students flourish is ensure the staff are flourishing. So, sure. so that's the first piece, the, a learn piece. Um, then the second piece is a live piece, and that is that it only can work and make sense if the school then is authentically endeavouring to live like that, you know, and not being hypocritical or not having double standards and so on. And, and so this is then the way we talk to one another. We just had a visitor today in our school, and she was saying it just feels like just the interactions I've had with students and with staff and the friendliness and the way we deal with mistakes, the way we um, run our assemblies, the way that we write in our school newsletters and so on, all these aspects, just how it then lives out on a day-to-day -day basis. And that doesn't mean we get right all the time. Um, and certainly, you know, I think probably at Geelong Grammar School we say the word sorry more to colleagues and to students maybe more than 10 years ago and how powerful that is to acknowledge to a colleague or to a student that you got that wrong or that wasn't the way that you wanted that to come out and could you know apologize for that and so on so there's so it's, a, not, it's not learn live sorry is it that's not the next word I <laughs> that's right no, <laughs> no good point uh, so then you come to the teaching part but interestingly you know it comes third and I think some people misunderstand positive education. Go, oh, yeah, we, we always do a little bit of teaching well-being, and you know, and our Year Seven students learn this, this little part about well-being, or they have this great little camp, and and all those things are helpful. Certainly, all, all okay. But the teaching part, then, for us at John Grammar School, what we believe for positive education can be and should be for a period of time, an explicit subject that warrants its own curriculum time. One that shows the school community that if music's important and geography's important and your French language or whatever language you're doing is important, that also well-being is important and warrants some curriculum time because there are specific skills and knowledge to explore and to learn for life. Uh, and what better place than a school helping you learn those? Of course, you'll learn them at home through the family. Of course, you can learn them through society and there are multiple ways, but why not a school also contribute to giving you these social and emotional skills, these soft skills to help you manage life? 
Um, but as well as teaching it explicitly, we teach it explicitly from our kindergarten mm -hmm. all the way through to the end of year 10. Uh, and that varies from one period a week to two periods a week. And all up, it's about 400 lessons that we've now scoped and sequenced for our students to learn about the skills for well-being. Uh, but also we endeavour to, where appropriate, teach it within the context. So if it can be taught within English, if growth mindsets can be taught within mathematics, if some work on character strengths can be taught within music, then where appropriate, we will have uh, concepts taught within their specific subjects. One little example for that, a, a really nice activity is um, mm -hmm working out your character strengths of your family and doing your family tree of signature strengths. So you check with your siblings and then parents, grandparents if possible, and work out their signature strengths and write stories and examples and photos and pictures and make a beautiful um, family tree of signature strengths of what's kind of right with your family. And, uh, now, I can imagine that must be so much fun for a teenager. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not for the parent. But. Yeah. Well, partly you can't get it wrong because when you say their signature strengths, whether it's kindness or whether it's curiosity or whether mm -hmm. it's bravery or whether it's teamwork, they or each of these 24 words are lovely qualities. It is what's the best in us. Um, now, to some extent, still the students partly go, well, I kind of – Yes, it, it, it was okay in year 10, but they felt a bit old for it, so we moved it to our year 7. And then they got, yes, it, but it was only had, had a, a lesson or two. And then finally, mm -hmm. I don't know why, it took us three or four years, but our, our head of history said, well, we do family trees in year 8 history. So we can just tweak it. Like we've, we've never done family trees with signature strengths, but we can teach them all about why you have a family tree, explore what family trees are about and genealogy, sure. and do that as a whole two-week unit as part of year eight history, and we will just tweak the project to add that. Now it really gets some substance taught by the history teacher in the context of that, and what a beautiful kind of unit that's become. So that's kind of a little example of, yes, we endeavour and we do teach it explicitly as a standalone subject, and we teach it implicitly, weave it through the curriculum. And our heads of department need to uh, each year in their annual report, talk about how their department is still on their ongoing journey of integrating the science of well-being or positive education into their uh, subject area. Now, you guys have continued with what you're doing and shared it outwardly to others. It, it sounds like, you know, when I listen to it and understand it better, it sounds like if I'm going to get involved with this, I probably should bring a readiness to commit, to fully commit to investing quite a bit of time and curriculum and effort into it. it it's, you can't do it just a little bit, it sounds like. Yeah, it's a really good question, Michael, um, because the, the fourth of the sections after Learn, Live, Teach and Embed was then Embed, which suddenly means it also goes through every one of your policies at the school. Uh, mm. You know, the way that you communicate uh, the way you do parent-teacher interviews, the way you do information. So, yes, we the way you um, hire and uh, appraise your staff, the way, you know, so to some extent, yes, it is everything, and that's the power of it and the whole school approach. And that is also a little bit what makes it scary because, as you said, Michael, you know, suddenly I've got to, uh, you know, invest time, 
resources. It probably needs a person, a department or an area to be able to have the capability to look into it and do that systematically and a commitment from the top and a commitment from the, you know, the coalface of the teachers and the ownership there. So I, I think you certainly can do bits of it. And, and to some extent, all schools already do bits of positive education. They might mm-hmm. not call it positive education. They call it well and have for hundreds of years. And, you know, there would be schools who do beautiful things around gratitude and relationships and engagement and and have practices within their school that are absolutely provide a beautiful environment for students to flourish and so on. So, but if you endeavour to go down the path, and it can take years, and we're still down that path, and and so it doesn't have to be scary or overwhelming and require a huge amount. <laughs> it can be a little more gradual. Okay. When you when you look at learn, live, teach, and embed, I wonder which schools or which ones are the most challenging. I you know I think learning it, okay, I could learn it. Living it, uh oh, you know, then I have to commit mm-hmm. to it. And teach it, yeah, sure, I could do that. And then embed it, I would be like, oh, I wish my administration would embed it. Yeah. I could just see, imagine as a teacher that the live part is, is the biggest or the most challenging. In your experience, when you are teaching groups of teachers and schools and organizations, which one do mm-hmm. they struggle with the most? Learn, live, teach, or embed? Yeah, no, you've nailed it, Michael. The, the live part is the hardest. It's hardest for us personally with our well-being in, in so many mm-hmm. ways. We individually know what's quite good for our well-being, but don't necessarily follow it or find it difficult to follow. Um, and emotions get in the way and egos get in the way and life gets in the way. And, you know, I, I think in many ways, positive psychology and positive education maybe never would have come about if society was tracking down a different path, if society was, for want of a better word, kind of getting it right. Um, But to some extent, the pressures of society and the good and bad part of technology and the good and bad part of marketing, you know, where in a nutshell, you know, this instant gratification for young people who have been bombarded by marketing to say, you are not, Mm. but you'll be better if you've got this and you need this, and you won't be complete until you've got this. You know, kind of almost, and, and, you know, we no longer have these villages raising a child. There was a statistic in Australia that now apparently uh, in this one survey that more than 50% of Australians wouldn't recognise their neighbour in the street. It'd be interesting to understand the genesis of why we're feeling that way. You could say it's uh, all the social media and all the light connections we have in a sense through electronic means, or you could say it's as we become richer societies, do we move away from our families, and so we don't have that built-in support group anymore. Do you have any sense of what the reason is for the popularity of programs like you have? And then you talk, I hear schools talk a lot more about social-emotional learning, which is aspects of what you're doing. Like, What's the genesis for this? Why is this now becoming more popular? Yes, yeah. So I, th- I think the appetite partly comes from the idea of society, you know, to some extent schools should exist to support what society needs. And Mm -hmm. it appears that what society needs is innovation and creativity and problem solvers who will be able to solve some of the problems our world is facing in the next generation or two. And they're not rote learning and they're not already answers that we know. And so the speed of discovery, the speed of the problems, and then, you know, the workforce is realising how important these soft skills are to collaborate, 
to communicate effectively, to problem solve and so on. And so therefore, let's make sure our schools are giving, are ensuring our students are kind of, you know, world ready as best as possible when they leave. And that's no longer filling them up with knowledge because Google can do that once they've left. It's about mm-hmm. giving them skills to research, to communicate, to work together. Um, and that partly comes from a foundation of feeling okay with who you are because you when you're okay with who you are, then you are more generous, you are more kind, you are more open in a positive emotional state, you are more creative and curious. It's when you know negative emotions do exactly what they're designed to do. They narrow your focus because you're meant to be scared of that snake and not be thinking about anything else about that snake and why you have a flight and, and fight response. But in a positive emotional state where you feel safe in your work environment, where you feel safe with your colleagues, is when you can then collaborate to the best of your ability to then help solve and develop and you know, progress our society. So, so I think it's partly the genesis is of what the workforce perceives they need. And then there's a real genesis from the concern of parents and mm-hmm. that their children, you know, uh, will you know, suffer from a mental illness because everyone, and I almost do say that, you know, that, that strongly, everyone has been touched by mental illness, whether personally or their family or someone very, very close to them they know has gone through or is living with, you know, a, a mental illness. And, and so, of course, parents, I think sometimes parents go the wrong way about it, you know, with helicopter parents sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. protecting them from failure is maybe exactly the part of another contribution that's what's causing the anxiety and so on. And, and certainly, you know, I, I fear and worry that trying to chase happiness might again also be driving the depression um, and Facebook might be driving some of that, you know, because of the comparison mm-hmm else on Facebook's happy and having a great time. So we're certainly positive education, not trying to chase happiness. We're not trying to avoid negative emotions. They are part of living a rich, full and meaningful life is that you will be sad, you'll be anxious, you'll be frustrated, you will feel a sense of guilt, you'll be angry because that just shows that you care. Um, you know, and gosh, my four children bring me so many positive emotions. And they give me so many negative emotions. You know, mm-hmm. Some of my own <laughs> causing, some of their causing, some just because I love them and, of course, want the best for them. But that's – I'm not trying to live my day today where I don't feel a negative emotion. Um, I want to feel, you know, the positive and negative, again, unhelpful words because it feels like they're good and bad and, therefore, ones you should try to have and ones you should try to avoid. Really, all emotions um, – can be very helpful to us. If I arrive home late from work and I was on cooking duty and I got home a couple of hours later, I should feel guilty and it shouldn't feel that pleasant to me because that's meant to teach me that you, know, you should you know, remember your responsibilities. So they're not, you know, they're not to be avoided. They're to be learnt from, to be understood, to be managed, to have a literacy around our emotional state, to be able to express those, uh, and realise that flourishing isn't 
avoiding negative emotions. Flourishing is certainly a combination of feeling good and feeling you're okay and that you're resilient and that you can bounce back and that you can contribute to other people's happiness and well-being. But as much, it's also not just feeling good, but doing good. And flourishing comes from caring for others, caring for issues, making a contribution, helping out, finding meaning and purpose in your life. And so it's it's not that we're chasing a feeling and we think that there's some danger in some self-help parts of the movement where it's about are you feeling happy and you need to feel happy every day and wake up and make sure you feel happy. Justin, we're coming towards the end of our time here. What's a good way for people to get a hold of you or find out more information about the program? Yeah, thanks, Mark. So certainly jump on our website at Geelong Grammar School and just go to the Institute or the Institute of Positive Education.com.au. And so to go to that website, uh, that will see examples of uh, our blogs that we write on topics that we are interested in and passionate about. We'll explain about some of the courses that we offer. We are very happy to deliver courses and and do deliver courses around the world at particular schools and also public courses. We host courses at our own school here that people might want to come along and visit. Uh, You can look into our curriculum there. So so I think our website is the starting point. Uh, We have Cindy is our client relationships officer and she has an email and a a phone number that she can certainly get in touch with and chat about uh, any aspect of positive education where we may be able to help individuals or schools. Justin uh, Robinson, thanks so much for your time today. I'll make sure to put all that information into the show notes as well. Thank you, Michael. And really looking forward to coming to Hong Kong for, I think it's the 11th conference of the 21st century learning and to... For me to be learning and you know, I'm attending the entire conference, so I look forward to attending many sessions and certainly sharing and, and uh, giving some presentations as well. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com. <laughs>